Welcome to the Colorado Sports Guys podcast. This is your Colorado Sports Week in Review. Your Colorado Avalanche currently 29-27 and 27 overall in 11th place out west. They went 1-2 and two last week after their little Canadian tour with a win in Edmonton and losses in Vancouver and Winnipeg. Four games next week. They'll probably win one, lose some. You never know. Your Denver Nuggets currently 18-15 and 15 overall in 8th place out west. They went 2-3 and three last week with wins over the Suns and Timberwolves and losses to the Mavericks, Grizzlies, and Thunder. Only two games this week before the All-Star break. They're playing the Clippers tomorrow night in Los Angeles, and then they come home to play the Spurs on Thursday. Colorado Rockies, pitchers and catchers reported. Woo-hoo! Spring training getting ready to start. That is your Colorado Sports Week in Review. Ross Martin, let's start the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Colorado Sports Guys podcast, episode number 29, which is, every time we do this, it's like, I can't believe we're even on 29, I couldn't believe we were on 28 before that, whatever, this is exciting, it's it's going well, and everybody keeps chiming in and uh, listening, so it's absolutely going well, this is the Colorado Sports Guys podcast, and it doesn't matter that this is the last week in February, February... February, 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 doesn't matter (laughs) if it's the last week of February or not and nothing is going on and every single team sucks and the Broncos and Tebow aren't playing. Still doesn't mean we don't have a lot to talk about, which is why we brought in a special guest um, tonight. And and, uh, we're very honored to have Alicia Jessup here, who's going to chime in here in a minute on some stuff. She's a a very intelligent person, very smart, very uh, a lot of credentials for such a young woman, don't you think, Nate? A lot of credentials, a lot going on, yes. Yeah, she, she runs a couple of blogs, she's a writer, she's a, a frequent contributor on ESPN Radio. Wait, I don't know why she's here, but uh, I'm glad she is, but uh, we'll talk to her in a minute. But before we get into that, as always, from DenverStiffs.com, Nate Timmons is here. What up, Nate? How you doing, Ross? I'm great, man. I hope all my people out there on the uh, internet are doing well. Too? Yeah. I do I do too. Is that internet it? people. No interwebs? <laughs> no interwebs. You kind of week. had a thing where you were saying the interwebs. You know? Yeah. Not feeling any Spider Man feel- feels. What's tonight. wrong with you, Nate? You like tired or sad? What's going on, buddy? Can I say both? Yeah, if you're both. You oh, I wouldn't say both. I'm not tired or sad, Ross. You crazy? Oh, you're just faking it? Maybe. All right. Okay. That's fine, buddy. But so, things are going well, man. Not uh, not too much. You know, going on with my nuggets, but how are you doing? That's the important thing. How's my co-host, dude? My producer. You know what? I'm doing pretty good. But it was funny. We were sitting there, and uh, you were doing the week in review, which was kind of a new segment we did about a month or so ago. And uh, and I've always enjoyed it. It's great. I noticed you started kind of disrespecting the Avalanche a little bit. I did, which is fine. I completely agree. We at one point made. promise to our listeners that we would talk about the avalanche <laughs> and watch the avalanche and, and i think that immediately our listenership dropped as soon as we made that promise yes because you know nobody i've really... been to two games this year that's and, which is amazing yeah right that's amazing. it's huge but uh but there was something else i was a little late like uh, i wasn't really i was 
uh, looking at my notes, and usually when you're like, Ross Martin, let's start the show, you know, I hit the music, and I was a little late. Yeah, you and were then, kind of worried and freaked out. Yeah, I was a little worried and freaked out. And But what's funny is I, I was thinking back to when we first started this podcast back in July, and you picked out this music, and I can't. I, I, I remember so vividly about how horrible I thought this music was. <laughs> Just horrible. It was the closest thing to hip hop. <laughs> yeah, on the free podcast music site. Yeah. But now I kind of like it. It's grown on me. It's a grown bit. on you. Yeah, I think I, I dig it. Thanks, man. What do you think? Do you still like it? Yeah, I kind of want to move. Maybe move to some electronica or something. Well, isn't that what's hot right now? Dead mouse. That's the only thing worse than what we have. So I don't know. Yeah, might as well. <laughs> that makes It'll sense. Grow on me too. It makes sense. I think. Yeah. It'll grow on me too. All right. But yeah, I was thinking about that. This music. God, I've always just hated it, but now I kind of like it. Yeah. You know. Boom, 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 boom. They heard it. It's good. No need to sing it. I don't think. All right, whatever, man. You're not a very good singer. I know. So did you did you have any anything going on with you that you would like to discuss as we always do here? I do and it it ties in with our guest Alicia. Alicia say hi. Hi everyone. Alicia Jessup has kindly been sitting there listening to us banter. Getting a What's feel up? for the show. Okay, so I I I uh, have been uh I was in the gym today and this week I you know I, I think I talked about last week that I saw Brian Dawkins in the gym. Very excited. Love Brian Dawkins. Fierce man, looked terrifying. Um I saw, I think a couple weeks before that, Irvin Johnson was in there. Not Magic Johnson, but the old say. Irvin Johnson. <laughs> wait, wait. He played wait. center for the Nuggets, six foot yeah, 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still in Denver? Yeah, I guess so. Wow. I immediately recognized him, didn't say anything to him. I walked up. Well, he's kind usual. of a hard guy to miss, to be honest. He has a very distinctive face. He does. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then this week, I've seen, uh, I believe it's him. Ebenezer Ekubon in the gym. Oh. Former Broncos defensive end, cool. I believe. Cool. I like that guy. And I want to say something to him, but I'm I'm about 99.9% sure that it's him. But I don't want that like common like white boy thing where he's like, I'm not Ebenezer Ekubon. You think all black people look alike, you know? Yeah, yeah. What if that happened? Careful. Yeah. I'd be terribly embarrassed. Well, you know, it's kind of weird because. But it's I, him, I'm sure. I always get mistaken for other people that aren't me. Except for you know me. <laughs> Seth Rogen, <laughs> before the diet, yes. Um, no, I mean, just in general, people are like, yeah, hey, uh, Timmy, my, uh, my cousin's friend. Uh, no, dude, I'm not. Uh, just, I look like everybody. I'm generic. Yeah. So, you know, I don't take offense at it. I don't consider that racist. Okay. So, yeah, go for it. Yes. You should just go up to every single black person you see and say, hey, Ebenezer Ekibon, what's <laughs> hey, up? Hey, are you Ebenezer Ekibon? <laughs> <laughs> Ebenezer. But anyway, I, I was going to say it ties into Alicia. I did notice you sent out a tweet today that you saw a local Denver legend while you were at lunch today. Yeah, I saw Dave Logan. Oh. Oh. Is who he is? Dave Logan. Yeah. The controversial. A legend. A le- he dated my friend's mom when they were in high school. And so oh, wow. she and I were texting and she said – is he wearing a track suit? <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't, but everyone he was with was wearing track suits. So is is he really known fun. for wearing track suits or something? I mean, he's a coach. He's always been a coach, and coaches wear track suits nine times out of ten. That is true. Was he on, like, a, do you think it was like a high school recruiting lunch or something? <laughs> no, oh, that's unfair. It was kind of funny. Like, for a high school coach, they just walked in. I was at a Tokyo Joe's, and... I felt like I was in small town Texas or something. Like everyone in the restaurant stopped. Bug and then, Kilmer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. 
And, you know, like the guys kind of walked around with this air of confidence and importance and women started saying things to them and it, it was really absurd. <laughs> well, what's our what's our uh, stat that we had on Logan? He's like the only one of a couple players that's been drafted to every professional sport. Yeah, I think he's one of only two or three guys that has been drafted in football, baseball, and basketball. Yeah. Do you know another cool fact about him? Hmm. He went to the greatest high school in Colorado, Wheat Ridge High School. Is that where you went? Yeah. <laughs> Wheat Ridge. I had no clue. Farmers. We've been sitting here for the past half hour. We didn't even know we were rivals. Oh, no. Where did you go? Golden. Uh, <laughs> demons. <laughs> G-H-S. Yeah. Farmers. Battle of the Plains. The barn. <laughs> the dynamic just shifted in here a little bit. <laughs> I was notice excited. The, notice an icy. I was excited. <laughs> an iciness has risen. We won't talk no, about really that uh, Wheat Ridge Golden Brawl circa 1994. Oh, I was only 10. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I was like 12. <laughs> but my brother may or may not have been watching that from the gym while it happened. So right. that puts me right in there. But no kidding. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Oh, Jeff Coe. Yeah, Jeff Coe Pride. That is awesome. That's fantastic. It's about time. Usually we get people in here that Nate knew from Parker, and it's like they don't even – they don't. Get, they get different TV there. Like they didn't watch the same channels uh, because Parker was so far away. Parker you know, Cherry Creek. Like they had a creeker get... in here. Rory. Oh, I thought he was from Parker. No, nah, he's a Cherry Creek guy. Oh, yes. Yep. Oh well. That's unfortunate. Cherry Creek. Yeah, where Dave Logan. <laughs> where Dave coach. Logan will be. Yeah, recruiting <laughs> out of now. Coming back full circle. There you go. So let's let's take a second here. So you saw all these people. You know all these people. You know Dave Logan personally. Yeah, I, He's I know one everyone. Of your best. <laughs> but let's take a quick second. So, um, you know, there there is some stuff to talk about. I made some comments earlier earlier in the show that there's nothing to talk about. But it turns out that's a lie. It's just we got so used to talking about the Broncos and so forth. And and last week we were talking Nuggets here with all the Denver Stiffs guys. And there was a uh, moment where we thought that whatever was going on with the Nuggets was just temporary and and now i think we can say that it's not that this is not a great team the stink that involves the Denver yeah Nuggets. yeah it's not a great team but that's okay but so we're going to talk about that and and what also happens this time of year which is something that is uh kind of sneaks up on everybody is that the uh, rockies are in phoenix now for the first time right or, or is it second. tempe Scott's oh down. it is the second year so they're in there in uh, Scottsdale? Yeah. They have a brand new, well, it's new last year, new ballpark. It's awesome. Yes. And uh, Alicia, you're going to spring training, we yeah. talked about. So we'll touch on that for you were, sure. You were there last year as well? Right. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So that always blows my mind. I used to think going to spring training was such the most one of the most extravagant things you could do. <laughs> Second only to going to the Super Bowl. You know, when I heard that when I was a kid, somebody went to the Super Bowl, I thought to myself, are you kidding me? Like, are you the king of England or something? I still think that. <laughs> yeah, you know, See, I got of. a ball signed by but, David Need at the first spring training. Oh yeah, David Need. Thought that was gonna be worth like, how much maybe is that worth? Ten million dollars. You know what? That might be worth something. In like a hundred years, I think he sells like oil pipes in Texas now <laughs> or something. <laughs> something weird. Well, yeah, that could be know. that could be a very lucrative uh, job. But um, yeah, so we're gonna talk about that. Then we're also gonna talk about at the request of Alicia. Air Force versus San Diego State game. Go Falcons. Which uh, was basketball? Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> basketball. Was it? We're getting right into March Madness coming up here, Ross. Exactly, yes. And so, uh, yeah, and that was a big win. And San Diego State, as I just learned five seconds ago, was a uh, top 25 
team. Air Force knocked him off. So we'll get into that. But before we do all that, let's take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to introduce everybody a little bit more to uh, Alicia and what she's doing here because it's fantastic. And you know what? You guys probably already even know what she's up to, but we'll be right back. So, Alicia, you, you know, you could be found on Twitter at Ruling Sports. And when I first heard that Twitter handle and then I subsequently looked at your website, rulingsports.com, I uh, immediately put it together with, like, you're a judge and you are ruling on sports. And you are, are have the uh, inside information um, based on you know what you're interested in and your education to enlighten people on some of the business and legal aspects behind sports. Is that accurate? Pretty much. I mean, basically, rulingsports.com is a sports law website, and I spent like two hours trying to come up with a name, and all of the other ones were extremely lame, well, <laughs> and they rhymed, and so this was the best that I could come up with. Well, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's a great name. It is a great name because you're ruling on sports, but you're ruling sports, so it's great. And Thank you. You have great articles. And, uh, th- but then also uh, another uh, site, I don't know if you own it or if you contribute to it, but uh, I've read a lot of your stuff on there, the uh, businessofcollegesports.com. So uh, another good one. Right. So um, thank you. And businessofcollegesports.com was actually founded by another female attorney, Christy Dosh. And in October of 2011, I took over the website because she got a job with ESPN. I see. So they're both your sites. Yes. Okay. So um, and then uh, in addition to those two sites, which are great sites, and I encourage everyone to check them out because it's it, – <laughs> It's weird. It's one of those things where you, people always ask about. They always talk about, like uh, when you're talking about some sort of sports uh, issue or scandal. You were like, "Well, I wonder, like, oh, there's probably some law about it or something." You know what I mean? And so this is great because it breaks it down. And then on on top of that, now you you know I see that you have all these ESPN radio credits that you've been a, a guest on. So tell me a little bit about your background. How'd you get into this? Um, how, what's your journey? What, what brought you to the, the, you know, your, uh, running these blogs and being this, uh, expert and pundit on all this stuff. Right. So I went to law school and I graduated in 2009 from Chapman university school of law in orange County, California. And I always wanted to practice entertainment and sports law. So for a time I was working in Los Angeles for the screen actors guild and Warner brothers music. And then the economy collapsed. Ah. (laughs) So I found myself doing different types of law, but I just really wasn't pursuing my passion. And so around June, July 2011, I just decided to start a blog. I'd actually been talking to Nate earlier in the year about, you know, his work with the Denver Stiffs and Sports Blog Nation and talked with some other friends about what the best avenue would be for me to do this and... Ultimately, I just decided to start my own website and create my own domain name, and I started ruling sports on July 1st, 2011, and 
I was literally in the living room and I told my roommate, I'm going to go buy this website. Help me come up with a name. <laughs> and this is what we came up with. And that same day, um, Christy, who started Business of College Sports, started following me. And she had a really large Twitter following. And so she retweeted some of my pieces. I got my first offer to do a radio show the same day that I started the website. And nice. it all just kind of like fell into place after that. And I've met some really incredible people and people have been incredibly generous and helpful to me. And it's, it's been a cool journey. It's been pretty fun. Well, yeah. And part of that I'm sure is that, uh, the, the articles you write are, uh, don't come from just like, we've talked, we've talked about this before with there's, there's a, the blogger term, the blogger title is pretty expansive. You know, it could mean a lot of different things. And like the guys on Dever Stiffs, uh, you guys are, not like 90% of bloggers. You're like the 10% that are actually writing interesting articles and not just ranting about something with your own opinion without any basis for the, like when, without any basis for the knowledge. And so that's what I've noticed, and that's what the type of blogs that stand out. And so that's probably why you're getting this attention um, and why people like uh, – tell me about some of these news stations or these uh, ESPN radio shows you've called into because that's – Pretty interesting to guys like uh, Nate and I who are doing this podcast out of our my office. Your studio. They, like, this oh, yes, legitimately is a studio. studio. CSG awesome. Studios. Don't undercut yourself. But um, so let's see. The first show that I did was actually just a podcast. And then I started my blog in the middle of the NFL lockout. And so I think that gave it a lot of traction. And then the NBA lockout happened after that. And so I'm trying to remember. I think the first ESPN radio show I did was actually in Fayetteville, North Carolina. It's a show called ESPN at the Buzzer. And since then, the host is named Sully. He's given me a weekly spot, and it's called Out of Left Field, where he gives me 15 minutes to go on the show and talk about whatever I want to, which is pretty, yeah, that's awesome. pretty awesome and generous. It start, That all got started because I love Tim Tebow. I'm a huge Tebow supporter. And I went on there and I made the case for Tim Tebow. And they just laughed me off and ripped me to shreds. But Because this was in Fayetteville? Yeah. And so then afterwards he said, you know, if you want your own weekly spot where you just talk about crazy things, then it's yours. And so... I actually have three shows that I do weekly now. I have that one, and then I do one in Birmingham, Alabama, for a, uh, I think it's a Fox Sports radio station on Mondays, and one that's broadcast throughout Arkansas on Wednesdays. <laughs> awesome. That was pretty awesome. And then I do other ones occasionally. I was on ESPN Radio Austin a couple weeks ago. I've done one in Portland, Los Angeles. Um, and is this all because of your love of Tebow? No, I think a lot of it has to do with my knowledge of sports law. It's like you were saying earlier, it's kind of a niche market, and I really pride myself on only publishing things that are A, relevant, B, things that the general media isn't reporting on, and things that I know are factual and just really good information. And so, you know, like Nate can probably talk about those are the things that people want to see and read, and it's not just me saying this guy's awesome or this guy <laughs> yeah. sucks. Let's get rid of him. I don't have time for that. <laughs> but with that Tebow piece, I did listen to that first radio interview and uh, 
I mean, you did look, you know, you come across sounding like a genius because that was before he really did anything, right? Yeah. So you're, you're <laughs> talking about how good he's going to do, and these guys are laughing you off the radio, and then all of a sudden he gets the Broncos in the playoffs, he wins a game, and they're like, wow, maybe she was onto something. Well, that's, that's interesting because Tebow is a was has always been a huge star. You know, even before he went to college, people knew who he was. But then, literally, he like grasped the entire world over the past three months or four months. What month is this? February. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So starting in <laughs> October, whenever it was. So honestly, you were a fan of Tebow before. Um, were you now? You grew up in Denver right. area, right? You mentioned you went to Wheat Ridge High School, and uh, so you're from here. You were a Tebow fan from years back. Is that how it works? Well, okay. So at the time that I did that radio show, I was actually living in California, and I'd witnessed the demise of the Broncos in the six years previous to that. And so I saw this kid, and you know, we're talking about Twitter. One of the first people I interacted with on Twitter when I started my website, and even before that, that is a man by the name of Nathan Whitaker. And he's the co-author of Tony Dungy's, I think he has three or four books now, and Tim Tebow's autobiography. And so I had picked up the autobiography. I love Nathan's work. and I Through my eyes? Yep. Yeah. So he, um, he co-wrote that with Tim Tebow. And I was like, I, I like what this kid's about. I like his passion. I always like underdog stories. And, you know, granted, the media has really latched onto him and expected him to succeed. But if you really read his story, this is a kid that shouldn't be playing at the level that he's playing at. And he only got there because of hard work and determination. And I thought it was an awesome story. I like the values that he stands for in this world. I think, you know, nine times out of 10, the stories we hear about professional athletes are negative and people not acting as role models. And so I think it's pretty cool that my team's quarterback is hands down a role model. So I, I was on this kid's train, and when I did that radio show that we were talking about, I believed what I was saying, but I was, like, not completely convinced of it. But <laughs> yeah. all I knew was I was going to bat for the guy, and I found some facts, and I did it. And thank you, Tim, for doing <laughs> well after that. <laughs> well, I will say this, and, and I agree with you about Tim Tebow being an, an actual role model, not just a hypothetical role model. I think a lot of people built him up just with the intention of bringing him down, just with the intention so they could scrutinize every single thing. Yeah, it's like it went even as far as recently as people were like, well, look at this awkward reading he did of a story in front of school children. It's like, are you serious? Like, come on. Like, what? <laughs> it's Maybe, crazy. You know, and, but, but I will say this. Stepping back a second. Nathan Whitaker, right? Right, yeah. When you say he and Tim Tebow and he and – was it Tony Dungy? co-wrote the book let's all be honest Whitaker wrote it totally <laughs> yeah no this this guy he's um he's a Harvard educated lawyer and he has a degree from Duke too and he's just absolutely brilliant but he is one of the most humble and nicest people I had a quarter-life crisis and August, and <laughs> I was sitting at work. And when my, Orton got the start, yeah, yeah me too. I know that was, that a, was quarter, a real but... crisis. Yeah, it was like a third six for me. games or so. But my office phone rang, and I answered it, and it, it was Nathan calling me. And when a New York Times top twenty-five best-selling artist, or excuse me, author, 
is calling you at your work to see if everything's going okay with your career, I'm just like, yeah, Nathan, I'll, I'll be okay. And then the next day, you know, I think I talked to him for like an hour and a half. And by the end of it, he's probably like, man, this girl's nuts. But he, he's just a good person and he's written some wonderful things. And so if your listeners haven't picked up those books and you're looking for a little piece of inspiration, definitely check out Dungy's books. Like the first one, Common Strength is fantastic fantastic cool well thank you so um interesting story then and uh this has happened you know pretty you know like you've been able to do all this stuff in a relatively short amount of time um you know not saying what you did before that didn't contribute to it clearly because you were working for some you know pretty big uh companies out in los angeles and uh wait was that where it was los angeles you said you were working for warner brothers yeah, so that was in Santa Monica, and okay. then the Screen Actors Guild was in Los Angeles. Yeah, see, I, somebody like me, I, can, I don't know the difference. It's all the same. Santa Monica and Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> One's west. I, I thought Orange County Choppers took place out in California. It does. No, Orange County Choppers is in New York. It is? Yeah. No. I know. You're thinking of West Coast Choppers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's Jesse. I'm yeah. talking about the Tuttles. Orange County Choppers? Orange County Choppers Oh, yeah, yes, they are. I always wondered, I've like, always been confused. Because I would that. watch that show, and it's like, Orange County <laughs> Choppers, that's clearly in California. Yeah. And then yeah. there would be, like, snowing, and there's all these... And I'd be like, wow, I didn't even know it snowed. And I don't know, California's a big state. Yeah, it's something know. new. Wow, yeah, I never even thought <laughs> about that. That's crazy. <laughs> but uh, anyway. Yeah, so, that's where it cross. All right, well, that's awesome. Alicia, thank you. Uh, that, that's fun stuff. And I'll tell you, like, um, hearing someone like you make... Uh, basically become uh you know through your hard work and all this stuff become like the type of person that's like on espn radio shows on a weekly basis i mean that's got to be pretty fun right it's cool i mean i i don't get like too involved in it that way the way i see it is you know before july 1st i wasn't doing everything in my power to pursue my passions but every day i wake up and i try to do a little bit more and I've just been lucky that people have been really receptive to me and helpful and just really generous with their time. I mean, like, you guys are giving me time to come here and promote my platform, and I really appreciate that. So, well, it's kind of funny. I was was just going to mention, like, I I follow you on Twitter, and I'll just see, you know, in the morning, you're like, just emailed, you know, 30. heads of athletic departments, you know, to, for an interview upcoming and stuff like that. And I'm just like, where do you find the time to do all this stuff? Like, it's crazy. <laughs> Don't tell my boss. <laughs> <laughs> but they do like, you know, and they, you hear back from these people and it, it is kind of about, you know, if you reach out to people, you are surprisingly, a lot of people are willing to, you know, work with you and give you, you know, uh, interviews or help you out for stories you write and stuff. But it is, it is cool. That you do write so many, you know, different kind of pieces too. I think you even had a story, um, where you, I think you'd met like a former athlete. Yeah. Um, God, I can't remember that guy's name. Rafer Johnson. Yes. The Olympian. Yeah. Wait, what's his name? Oh man. I love that guy. Rafer. Ra- he was the 1960 Olympic decathlon gold medalist. And I have a story on ruling sports about him or excuse me, ruling sports.com about him. His name is Rafer Johnson. And I actually met him at the Manhattan beach open, which is a huge volleyball tournament in California. And I was there to interview Kevin Love and some of the other NBA players that were at the tournament. And this guy came up to me and he said, you're wasting your time with that. Go talk to that guy. And Rafer's 
probably a six foot six tall African-American man in his 70s. And I said, well, who's that? And he said, Rayford Johnson. Now, I'm supposed to be a sports writer. So I go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I Google it as fast as I possibly could. <laughs> and his story is amazing. He um, grew up in segregated, segregated Texas in the 1930s. And then his family moved to California. And he met a track coach in the area of California that he grew up, which is east of Los Angeles. And long story short, he ended up running track at UCLA. He played basketball for Coach Wooden. He won. Oh, the, wow. Yeah, that was. I love talking to him about Wooden. Um, but he ended up winning the 1960 Olympics, and just his story of how he got there and how he persevered. He actually, when RFK was assassinated, um, Rafer was there with him and Rafer's the one who wrestled the gun out of I think Sirhan Sirhan's yes. hand. So if you ever see the picture of the African American man like over the killer, that's Rafer. No kidding. His story it's <laughs> You were story. wasting your time with Kevin Love. Yeah. <laughs> I mean Rafer, yeah, that's incredible. I like to rebound, I like to shoot baskets. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you're gonna get there. You know and he's been such a mentor to me. He actually co founded uh Southern California, well, at the time, California Special Olympics, because he befriended the Kennedy family. And Eunice Kennedy Shriver is the actual founder of Special Olympics. And so Rafer had befriended her, and so he started a chapter in California. And he is just a kick. He, I mean, we went to lunch before I moved back here, and I'll call him every now and then. And he, he just has something to say about everything, and he's <laughs> earned that right because he's in his 70s. But... Just a real inspirational person. That's, That's pretty awesome. cool. Yeah. I love him. <laughs> to wow. go from, yeah, growing up in a segregated Texas in the 30s and then to live, you know, become an Olympic gold medalist and to live through, you know, 70 plus years of history in the U.S. is just yeah. amazing. Like, and it, the thing it, that awesome. I love that he said, because, you know, I asked him about what it was like being a co-founder of Special Olympics in California and how that came about. I mean, just, just think about that. Like Special Olympics is one of the biggest foundations in the world at this time. And he was a co-founder of the California chapter of it. And I love what he said um, about Eunice and Eunice Kennedy, what she said when she was creating the organization. And that was, she believed that life could be better for these people. Mm -hmm. And it's such a simple notion, but it's so inspiring that this woman just realized, you know, her sister Rose had a developmental disability and she just thought that life could be better for her. And Rafer talks about how someone thought life could be better for him, you know, as an African-American child. And so they gave him a chance. And, you know, we were talking about how I got here in this road. And it's because people have helped me. And it's because people have reached out to me and they've lended their time and support. And it's awesome. We can all help each other and make each other better. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. That's interesting, you know, because talking about, you know, Rose Kennedy, who, you know, you were talking about. Eunice talking about how she could have a better at that time Rose was like basically hidden away mm-hmm. you know pe- they didn't want people to know about her and her disability right and uh, so that's really interesting and um, to see that parallel between mm-hmm. that look at you like I love that story <laughs> that's a great that story I was just talking I was driving over here and my mom's like have you talked to Raver lately and I'm like no I need to call him because he he's just a character he's a 
good, good person, but it's so funny. <laughs> That's also the good thing about like blogs and, and things as well is, I mean, who's told his story before, you know, and who's, who's told it recently, you know, yeah. not just from the time when he was, you know, a, a top athlete in his, his sport, but now when he's older, you know, like who's still looking at these, at these former athletes and these, these people, you know, and that's something that I think is very valuable to people, not only for somebody to get inspiration from reading it, but for him to have an outlet to tell like his incredible life story. So yeah, I'd be, I'd that's be awesome. I never heard of him until this yeah. very moment. When you told me I, I never, so. I mean, my dad had heard of him cause I called him like the, when I was at that volleyball tournament, and I, so long story short, I ended up walking up to Rafer and saying, hi, I'm Alicia Jessup from Ruling Sports. I'd love to talk to you about the Special Olympics. Can we set up an interview? And he said, absolutely. So when I called my dad and my dad was just like, that is awesome. Like people are parents age in their 50s or 60s. They remember that Olympics. Rafer actually carried the torch in the 1984 Olympics in Los Angeles. He lit the big oh. cauldron. And you probably remember um, – the scene of that, those huge stairs, and this guy is just running like crazy up the stairs, and everyone's like, how is he still running? <laughs> uh, but he did it. So. That's awesome. That we'll is do. fantastic. Well, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll get into some of the other stuff here. Sound good, you guys? Sounds perfect. Sounds good. All right, great. So, and I have some questions for you, Alicia, but, um, you know, about some of uh, what I perceive to be somewhat, uh, I don't know, hypocritical policies and so forth of the NBA and the NFL in relation to college athletes. And, of course, you write or run businessofcollegesports.com. But before we get into that, I need to address something here. You're going to spring training. Right. Yeah. When are you going down there? Because it's they've been uh, when did they report a week ago about roughly the pitchers and catchers. Pitchers and catchers. So then yeah. the spring training uh, season is going to start here. Uh, I think like in the next week, right? Right. I you just asked earlier if it was February. I think it's like February twenty first. So, it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> within like March, that first weekend of March, most teams should be in full force with their spring training. And I am so excited this year and. Nate and I were talking a little bit off the mics about how crazy it is that uh, Jim Tracy has been given this so-called indefinite vote of confidence. Is that what they're calling it in the news? I mean, it seemed weird. They didn't really know what to call it, but yeah. they were like, on a handshake, Jim Tracy. Like he's <laughs> going to get an extension, but he doesn't really have one like written out. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> to me, it's like... First of all, it's ridiculous because there would never – there's no such thing as a contract without a contract. So it's almost like the Rockies PR just kind of leaked this thing. It's like, well, it turns out that Dan O'Dowd and Jim Tracy had a conversation. They shook hands with that man and uh, Jim Tracy going to coach here until he dies or the Rockies die. 
Yeah, if I was Jim Tracy's lawyer or agent and I read that story, I'd be on the phone to my client and saying, no, 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 we're going back in there and we're doing this the right way. Get it on paper. Because yeah, clearly this means nothing, right? Like, clearly this is a non-story. I mean, if you have a good enough lawyer, which I think I am, I could argue <laughs> that that constituted a contract, you but <laughs> it'd be... Jim Tracy, if you're listening, <laughs> yeah, Alicia can get you that actual contract. That's interesting, though, right? Yeah, I, I mean... mean there's some like legal precedent where we could argue that's a contract, but his agent should know better than that. And if they're willing to give him this offer, I don't see why they don't just put it in ink and get it on the paper. Well, is this well, just is this supposed to just be a you know kind of a fan friendly story? Like, hey, look at the Rockies! Like, we're on such good terms here that we don't need contracts, and we want you to give you some good news. Like, we got it. We do deals with a handshake. Is this that- is symbolic? This is symbolic press thing this is a symbolic media thing right but it's not like jim tracy is he completely loved by rockies fans i mean there's i know rockies fans for sure saying that he should be fired last year well i i never said that as a rockies fan i I certainly didn't blame jim tracy for the performance on the field i mean how can you i mean it wasn't like jim tracy wasn't putting the right guys in there at the right times during the game or he wasn't picking a guy to steal when he should have not you know it was our guys completely underachieved so i don't i mean the thing is, is like the team didn't perform enough to even judge Jim Tracy adequately, I don't think. But Here's what I think we should take away from this. And my dad is a huge Rockies fan, and he'd probably have a lot more to say about this than I do. But I think Nate like hit it out of the ballpark. Terrible pun. This is a fan feel-good story. They want to show that the Rockies are actually making moves in the offseason. But I could care less if a coach that we know is coming back is coming back this year. And definitely, I wanted to see some bigger off-season moves by the Rockies, and they made none. Like, half of Kedire our... was not a big enough move. I think they're also... No. They're, they're spending less this year on payroll than last year, but they're trying to... Yeah, they're trying to announce any move is a good move. So that's what you think's happening? Like, we're going to salt the peanuts this year at Coors Field. <laughs> that's going to be huge. You know, it does seem like there's... I don't know, there's something kind of false going on. Kind of bizarre. It could be, but I mean, I think we keep forgetting that this is the Rockies. This is the, the Major League Baseball team in Denver. They're I'm not, sick of that. They, well, we're not going to move them. Well, no, but it, it's just time. I feel like all of our sports teams, they have so much potential, but we really just need owners who are willing to like go to the mat, make some big moves, shake things up, and get it done. Get us the players and the staff that we need. And I can't think of an organization in this city that's done that for a while. Yeah, like everybody kind of falls back on that excuse of, well, Pat Bowen's having maybe some financial problems, or the Rockies, or they're going to stick to a budget, and the Nuggets, well, they're a, not a big market team. And it's like, yeah, enough of that. Like, you own a sports team. You're a billionaire. Spend money on these teams. Do whatever it takes to to bring championships here. Don't fall back on this excuse of, well, maybe there's always next year, you know? I don't want to well, hear I that. Mean, it, it isn't part of that the fact that aside from the Broncos, every team, and I may be wrong on this, so <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but every team, the Nuggets, Avs, and the Rockies, are owned by not a single person. They have maybe a single person or like a, a couple people that represent the ownership, but for the most part, aren't they owned by a corporation? Right, I mean, I know it's an avalanche. He does outright, for sure. He doesn't own a company that owns a company. He's under a corporate umbrella, but it's him. So I could be wrong on that. I mean, but as far as the Rockies go, they are owned by uh, 
an assortment of people. I mean, when you look at the ownership roster, it's it's pretty extensive. It's the Monfords. Well, like, you know, you have Monfords that, yeah. Monfords that have like a, you know, like a certain large, large percentage. percentage. I don't know something. what it is, 40, 45, 51%. But, you know, for the rest of that thing is like there's a lot of people that are involved in the ownership and who are reaping the benefits of just the fact that fans keep showing up game after game and uh, buying the – Rocky dog and the Rocky brat or whatever, and it's disgusting. And they love nachos. Coorsfield has the best nachos. If you go into that little sandlot bar, or whatever it's called, they don't yeah. let me in there. I thought it was just for kids. No, no the sandlot. Do you have a, a kid with it's you? A, it's a no, bar. It's a bar. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have, have kids in there. It's a bar. Oh wait, what am I thinking of? In left field? I don't know. You're thinking of the playground in left field. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was called We're the sandlot. You shouldn't right want to go to the playground. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why I just kept trying to get in, and they were like, "Whoa, get out of here, old guy." And we were Yeah. So anyway, talking about talking about spring training. You got another point here? Well, I'm saying is like, what can the Rockies do? Jim, lock up Jim Tracy for a hypothetical contract. <laughs> and uh, now we got spring training. It's not like the Rockies don't have great guys coming on the team again. Yeah, are we? Ex- I mean, are you excited to go to spring training? Other than the fact that it's at a, at a new park and you know it's baseball season again, is there excitement about the actual Rockies, about the actual team? Do you want to know what I'm the most excited for for spring training? And I'm embarrassed to say this on a show called the Colorado <laughs> Sports Guys. <laughs> Don't tell me it's the Diamondbacks. It's the warm weather you're in gonna, Arizona. No, you're gonna die. Okay, so <laughs> I like I just moved out here from California, and I'm friends with the Angels attorney. Pools. And so I'm going to Angels spring training the Friday that I'm there, and taking a private tour of their spring training facilities, and hopefully meeting with some players. So I'm really excited about that. And then the second thing that I'm excited about is. I met with Dexter Fowler's batting coach in Atlanta yesterday, and so I'll get to meet Dexter. I'm really excited for the season he's going to have. I'm excited for Tulo. So I I am excited for the Rockies. Spring training is awesome because you have such great access to the players, and it's a much smaller scale than the regular season. It's just carefree and fun, and if you ever have the opportunity, go. It's, It's wonderful, so I'm so excited for it. Is it as accessible? I remember when I went in like 93, I mean, you could, we were literally sitting in the little bleachers in between like four or five of the fields and the players would just come out and sit in the bleachers with you and sign autographs. Yeah, like David Need. David Need, yeah, Trinidad Hubbard, I haven't been there, but Reynolds. I'm guessing it's less accessible than that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is it less than that? Is it, you know, the new stadium. <laughs> they, tried, they wanted any I'll, fan they could get Look up David Need on Facebook, <laughs> and he'll have like four friends. And he'll he's be a huge pretty... name at that point in time. <laughs> That's true. Don't disrespect my autograph, David Need Baseball. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Um, well, the new field, Salt River Field at Talking Stick, which opened last year, it's pretty Which is like a casino, big. right? It's like yeah, connected it's to a, a casino, casino hotel. Which is no, it's funny. not connected, but it's like around there. Somewhere. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. Yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> it's but, like. It's like the ultimate in corporate like uh, exploitation. <laughs> They're like, well, why don't we move you up to Phoenix? Did they have slot machines to a there? Casino. No, I didn't go to the casino, but I, I guess they probably do. Is that yeah. how the Rockies are supplementing their income this uh, year? Well, they hopefully, hopefully they'll buy some each, more players. But it is year. kind of ridiculous. Go ahead, sorry. Um, but that that stadium is pretty like it's like a mini course field, so it is a little bit less accessible. But if you go to the other stadiums, it's a lot easier because. You know, the Rockies will travel to other stadiums in the Phoenix, Tempe area. So 
if you want to stock out the players, I would suggest going elsewhere rather than our home field. <laughs> Next year, it'll be the Colorado Rockies, uh, not the Colorado Rockies, blah, blah. It'll be like the Colorado Rockies at Mohegan Sun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so it's been training. <laughs> it's good. So, anyway, so when you head down there, Alicia? It's a good question. I think it's March 9th through 11th. I actually. Oh, so this to... is a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm pumped. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's soon. And uh, and then, uh, so how long did you spend down there? Well, so I'm going with one of my best girlfriends, and she kind of planned the trip because I've been busy. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to have gone like Friday morning till Monday morning, but we're going Friday morning to Sunday night. So That's cool. Yeah. it's. I mean, I could stay down there forever. It's baseball warm weather there's awesome restaurants and bars in scottsdale great shopping so i, I might just not come back <laughs> well, well then you'll miss opening day true oh opening day is gonna be awesome opening day should but, be a national holiday but yes. let me ask you this if i'm not mistaken opening day here in denver is on a monday mm-hmm. right? that's kill. that's why it like, should be a that national kind of holiday it's not kind of weird usually they do it like a thursday or friday Usually people can go to opening day and just let that ride through the weekend oh, for whatever man. happens. Not saying that you know people drink a lot during that game. <laughs> Which but let's uh, like a Monday. This just seems like a slap in the face to Rockies fans. <laughs> Maybe what they're okay. So is it not? <laughs> right, I mean, kind of like op- that announcing Jim Tracy's extension. Yeah. Is, it, is opening day not an important day for us too? And don't I'm telling you, man, it, it should be a national holiday. Well, I that. think it's the third but, time saying that. Okay, it should be. Hey but. Nate, do you think uh, opening day should be a national holiday? <laughs> I'm going to say a yes. <laughs> but no, but seriously, that's not that sucks, right? It's Monday. Isn't, I mean, well, maybe what they're doing. So I'm a national officer for my sorority, and I do like risk management training. Yeah, continue. it's pretty awesome. Like <laughs> you try to do things so the girls like don't drink and do stupid stuff. So maybe the Rockies organization had like a little risk management ah. strategy sesh, and we're like, let's move opening day to. You know what? Maybe I'm they're sure feuding with the local bars. And I'm, like, sure. I'm sure. How can we screw over they, the local taverns? I'm sure the Rockies management and, and the owners of the Rockies were like, "How can we get people to buy fewer beers, beers. on opening day?" That's the problem. Is oh, they're, people they're buy too much beer. Yeah, I'm sure that's what. Too many eight dollar beers are being sold. Yeah. Of course, people are still gonna have a blast. People are still gonna go. I'm probably gonna. Not go to work that day. You're we gonna take fly Tuesday back off. from Phoenix for one day to watch the game, and then fly back to yeah. Phoenix. Evers. I don't know. That might be bad logic because baseball <laughs> would be gone from Phoenix, so I'm probably gonna have to leave there at some point. <laughs> so it would be a lot of Monday and Tuesday sick days. Yeah, for companies out there. All right, Ross, you can use your uh, your favorite pre-call-in sick day. I do that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> pre-call-in sick. It's legit. Yeah. I'm not violating any corporate policies there. All right, I've been I've been uh, holding back on this topic because I know Nate, you're wearing a Denver Nuggets hat right now. Sure, you're the truest fan I know of all the Nuggets stuff. I guess you you started a militia for God's <laughs> sakes, a Moscow militia. <laughs> Moscow yeah. militia. By the way, those shirts get out to those people. I'm sending them soon. Right? <laughs> you haven't sent them yet. Oh my God. I, I really like a shirt. I mean, Nate, we're kind of cousins, so I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I should get a shirt. We'll have to figure you know out. what? Take that one. No, I'm kidding. Because uh, Mozgov, the one adorned on the studio wall here, Mozgov's not coming back next year. So uh, what? I don't know that for sure. Mozgov <laughs> is my nugget crush. <laughs> He'll be back. 
He's married, unfortunately. He is. Yeah, he got All married. Right. Keep the shirt. He drove to uh, he drove to Las Vegas last year, and uh, they got married, and then uh, he came right back. Ugh. It was a quick one. Wow, good for him. So I still got fit. Dirk. All right, so uh, still got Dirk. <laughs> what is there to talk about for the Nuggets? <laughs> for the Nuggets, you want to talk about? The I, I don't know. I assume you so, want to talk about the Nuggets. The Nuggets started uh, fourteen and five this year, as we all know. They have uh, gone four and ten since that point in time. And there seems to be uh, a lot of people that, at least on our site, there's a lot of people that are, you know, saying they're going to miss the playoffs. And I hear that on Twitter from people. This team will probably miss the playoffs, and this is bad is happening, and these guys are awful. And it's like you still have to consider the fact that there's a lot of injuries. Like when Daniel Gallinari comes back and Nene come back, uh, it's a completely different team. So, And also Wilson Chandler is back from China. <laughs> He was actually at the Denver Nuggets game last night. He is currently in quarantine on Ellis Island, um, subject to some shots. Okay. No, I don't know. I, just so made it up. I saw the Godfather game. once. Okay, never mind. All right. Anybody get that, Joe? No. no. <laughs> that was awful. It was hilarious. Oh, okay. But if you listen to it tomorrow, you'll think it's funny. Okay. We'll check that or out. I'll edit that out. But Wilson Chandler's back. He uh, His team made the playoffs in China, but I guess he had some kind of uh, handshake agreement with them, as we were talking handshake oh, agreements, Oh, like right? Jim Tracy. Uh, so they let him out of his... He must have a lawyer of yeah. the caliber of Alicia Jessup. Yeah. yeah. Are you Wilson Chandler's lawyer, by chance? No, She's but like, I should be. I'm not be. at liberty Wilson. to speak of that. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> So he's he's back. He was at the Pepsi Center. Um, he was negotiating a contract with Masai Ujiri during the day. Uh, watched the game that night, and there's actually some footage of him as well that uh, Aaron Lopez of Nuggets.com put up of him walking into the locker room, shaking hands with Nene, saying what's up to Ty Lawson. It looks like he's going to be back. So, I mean, you add in Gallinari, Wilson Chandler, and Nene to this team, and you basically add three players that are, you know, if, if – coaches voted on it might be all-star caliber players so what's the when, when do we expect gallinari back here i mean the all-star uh, we're break. like what 14 days away 20 days away we're uh, counting we have, days right yeah I mean, we need him back yeah he was gonna be out for like a month uh i don't know the exact date of when that is but it was he's about close. two weeks ago so we have, we have two games so. this week and then we have the all-star game nene should be back after that wilson chandler should be back after that as well, and then Gallinari will probably be the last one out of the three to return. But. So mid-March, something like that for um, Gallinari? Yeah, probably mid-March for Gallinari. But, I mean, so this team's playing bad, but they're last night they get a win in overtime, and they're missing. Um, against Minnesota, is that right? Against Minnesota. They're now 16 and 17, but they're missing those three guys. Uh, Ty Lawson injured his left ankle during oh, the game. Yeah, he went out. Uh, Andre Miller got ejected from the game for uh, arguing calls. So it's coming to the fourth quarter, and the Nuggets are forced to go with Julian Stone, the rookie out of UTEP, to lead mm-hmm. the team. But uh, he How did he well. Do? He played pretty good. He had yeah. a couple bonehead turnovers that he even talked about on Twitter that he was uh, sorry about. But he did all right. Got him the win. Got a, a clutch bucket late. Kenneth Fareed played crunch time. He played awesome. I saw a lot of usual. that. I saw a lot of that uh, yeah. talk. But he did good. People loved it. Yeah, people love Kenneth Freed, but the Nuggets gutted out a win, and that's probably what they're going to have to do. They're playing the Clippers and the Spurs this week. Neither one will be an easy game, but um, I don't know. I mean, are you excited about the team, Alicia? Do you still believe in the Denver Nuggets? They're going to make the playoffs. I was looking at their record right now, and 
um, ESPN was projecting them to be an eight seed out of the West and to face Oklahoma in the first <laughs> round. So I'm going to say that if that's the case, they will make the playoffs, but they will not get out of the first round. Kevin Durant is a beast and Oklahoma is a force to be reckoned with. Um, I agree with Nate. If these injuries get cleared up and we get some of those guys back, they'll, they'll be fine. And the schedule in March, too, like this February schedule has been brutal. And everybody wants to, you know, complain about how awful the team looks. But it's like, well, they're not playing these cupcake games. But once March kicks back in, they do get uh, a lot of non-playoff teams coming back on the schedule. So that will also help boost their record. There's only 33 games left in the season. They're at the halfway point, by the way. It's crazy. How fast has that gone? Yeah, and and it'll be interesting. Let me see what happens. I do know that no matter what, all the true devout Nuggets fans will never, ever stop making excuses for this team. And we have the uh, yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> but we have the trade deadline. But you're an optimist. Up. Yeah, I'm an, an optimist. optimist. I mean, I, I never want to look at the negative side of things. I mean, yeah. what's the fun in that? What's the point of being a sports fan if you're just going to complain and be miserable all the time? Well, I'll, we'll tell you this: uh, you can root for a bad team if it's fun to watch. Right. And uh, it hasn't been that fun. Hasn't been? Hasn't been that fun. Last night was all right. but Yeah. It's kind of fun. But the trade deadline's coming up on March 15th. Uh, rumors came out from Mark Stein reported that Chris Anderson is on the trade trade block, which has kind of been uh, thought to have been the case for about the past month. Um, and he has to go. I mean, nobody, no Nuggets fan is thinking this guy is should stick around, right? I don't know. I mean, what's what are they gonna what are they gonna get back for him? It's not like you're gonna trade him for Kevin Durant, right? So it's like maybe a tra- like a draft pick or something. Yeah, if you if you get a draft pick, but then say you suffer Mozgov and Kufis get hurt, then all of a sudden you don't have any big guys left. Like, is it really that big of a deal to have to pay him four million dollars? He's a fan favorite. He plays. Is he still a fan favorite? Oh yeah. Are you sure? Whenever because he comes in the game, people at Pepsi Center are cheering for him. He, he seems like a little bit of a freak to me at this point. And I used to like him, but now it's just like yeah, just, somebody, get him, just get him out of my sight. Somebody that's, honestly, that's what I think. It's it's disgusting. Somebody mentioned on our site that he looks like he's been hanging out with the Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> you watch that motorcycle yeah. gang show. Yes, I love that show. He looks kind of weird, and he's actually going to be a judge this week on the TV show Ink Master on Spike TV. <laughs> that is his future. Yeah. That's a uh, tattoo I, I artist that competition. Makes, that makes perfect sense. That is his future. Um, and, by the way, he's only got a couple more appearances on shows like that because the only reason why <laughs> they want him is because he's an NBA player and he's tatted. But I think before long he will not be an NBA player. Hopefully he's a good agent. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Anderson is a publicist. You need an agent. Alicia Jessup. Such a disappointment. <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm getting a lot of clients off of this show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would pass on Chris Anderson. No, I, I, I like Birdman. I, no, how can you like that? They still sell his uh, his Mohawk wigs at the stadium even though he's not wearing them. I know, anymore. there's leftovers. But <laughs> I don't know. But it is kind of a, it's an interesting question with the team. That's kind of what everybody's looking at with the trade deadline coming up. Is wow, the Nuggets have like 14 players. Like they can't all play at the same time. We have all these assets. Are they going to make a move for somebody, and uh, or are they going to do like they normally do and make a salary dump trade, like we saw with Marcus Camby a couple of years ago, where they give him away for a second round the the choice to swap second round picks with the. LA Clippers. Yeah. But. I think the thing to think about, especially with trades, is who is available in this year's draft. I love college basketball and I've been watching a lot of it and 
this year's draft class like isn't the greatest. Like, granted, there's really? some good. Yeah, I mean, there's some good players, but I think last year was stronger, personally. Wow, yeah, because I mean, last year was kind of known as supposedly a weak draft, and this year is supposed to be everybody's supposed to be salivating at this draft. Yeah, I mean, I guess you like Slinger and all the Duke guys, but I'm just trying to think of who I would really want on a team that's playing this year, that's coming out. And What did I, Andrew say last week? He said uh, he quoted George Carlos saying something like, no prominent Duke player has ever won an, an NBA, NBA championship. championship. Mm. Yeah. That's true. So, yeah, go for it. Who, who do you like? I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't particularly follow college basketball too close, but I have been interested in like Jared Sollinger, but he's probably going to be a power forward in the NBA. I wouldn't mind seeing, uh, there's some people that probably wouldn't mind seeing Denver after the season swapping Nene for a high draft pick if they could. Hmm. A high draft pick? You could trick Michael Jordan into taking him probably from Charlotte. Oh, man. Nene, what a, what a joke, man. No, New Orleans, what, what the Hornets. A literal joke. The I Hornets, yeah, the Hornets might oh. take him. David Stern could pull that trade off. But what a, what a debacle that is. All right, so you guys brought up NCAA basketball, and I promised Alicia we would talk about this. Otherwise, we would not. Let's be honest. <laughs> That's a, good, that's a good person to ask, though, to bounce them because, I mean, I've been curious about guys like Harrison Barnes. You know, okay, that's, that's, that's a good one, Harrison Barnes. Okay. I mean, he's that? supposed to be. He's Who is Harrison Carol- Barnes? He's played for North, Carol- North Carolina. Okay, so he's probably good. He's supposed to be, but I always watch him, and I always kind of come away going, is he going to be anything in the NBA? Do you know who my favorite college basketball player is right Does he now? play for Air Force? No. Oh. He plays for Memphis, and I get a lot of slack because I love Memphis basketball. And I think they're underrated. They blew some big games this year. But mark my words, next year or the year after, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with because they've pulled in some great recruiting classes. But there's a kid named Will Barton. That plays write it down. Will, write it down. Will, Will it down. Barton. Google it. He's awesome. He's amazing. You'll be seeing him in the NBA, and he'll have a successful career. He Just some of the shots that he makes, and he's an all-around player. Smart From kid. Memphis. Memphis. Will is he Barton. big? What does he play? Is he point guard? I'm a legal sports <laughs> analyst. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's yeah. why I said Google it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's do this. Let's take a uh, – I wish I was start music. All right. Let's take a uh, four-second break. Oh. Just to kind to of – To Google Will Barton. Just we'll Google Will Barton. <laughs> Shooting and guard. Then, and here's the deal. We're like an hour in here, but we got to wrap it up in the next 10, 15 so I have some questions for you, Alicia. Okay. <laughs> and uh, it's because, listen, I, I, have a, I have concern for this country. I really do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there is uh, hypocrisy out there. There are rules that uh, have been placed upon guys like Will Barton, for instance, maybe will be subject to this rule. And, uh, for instance, I don't understand why if you are an adult person in this country, mm-hmm. you can be prohibited from working. And I don't understand why uh, there are legal ways to uh, have rules against that. And so let's talk about that in, uh, like I said, four seconds. Just four seconds and we'll be right back. So, Alicia, I was reading. I told you it was four seconds. Wow. Four seconds. <laughs> I was trying to check my email. You trying to check your email? <laughs> How rude. No, I'm just kidding. So... Uh, Businessofcollegesports.com is a, is a site you run, and I read an article of yours on the use of social media by student-athletes 
and the different policies of the universities. And it looked like most of the athletic departments didn't go so far as to ban the use of social media. And in fact, most schools rely on each individual team to set the policy. So, um, and, and usually that's done by the head coach. But I wanted to run through in this article. Again, you can find this on uh, businessofcollegesports.com by Alicia here. Um, there were a few instances where the use is not, is limited, if not banned. Um, for instance, Boise State, uh, football student athletes are banned from Twitter. And uh, they also must make their Facebook accounts private. Um, I'm assuming, by the way, that that is uh, the policy of Chris Peterson, the head coach over right. there. Right, right. I guess it didn't say that in your article, but maybe that I'm just assuming that. So, and then North Carolina last year, Butch Davis, head football coach, uh, banned the use of Twitter in 2010 while the UNC or while UNC was under NCAA investigation. Current ladies head coach at UNC has banned it, banned the use of Twitter so they can focus on basketball for the rest of the season. Oklahoma State, you had uh, in your article, you said one unidentified coach doesn't allow the use of social media at all. And then South Carolina last year, Steve Spurrier banned Twitter during the season. Now, you only looked at 14 schools for that, but I can only assume that that's just a sample, right, of the entire NCAA Division One landscape. Doesn't this seem kind of like a violation? Like, how can these schools intervene? Presumably all these students are adults. They are active members of the society. They can vote. They can They pay taxes if they have income. How is this even legal to identify? Like, I don't understand. Like, shouldn't this be like a First Amendment violation? Was well, it also is this really taken away? Like, like you just said that that gal wanted her team to focus on the season. Like, are people just sitting there tweeting during games and she can't she can't control? Like, hey, we're trying to practice here. Get off Twitter. And yeah, it's like, like oh, I sorry, can, coach. I'm trying to tweet. Miss that pass. I mean, I can understand like, that they're like, don't tweet during games. But like, how can you like? And maybe this is the difference between. 10 years ago and now where everybody's on Facebook and Twitter, but how can you say to a student, you can't be on Facebook like Oklahoma state one unidentified coach. I would assume it's the football coach or the basketball coach. I'm just guessing. I don't know who they are, but who else probably, would really care? Gundy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably. I, think, right? I actually think that's who it is. I'm a man so they don't allow the use of social media at all. I mean, you're basically saying to this person, this student, you can't be a part of society as we know it today. And, and <laughs> right? I mean, honestly, if you're saying to someone you can't be on social media, that's a big problem. Right? You can't have a Facebook page. It's craziness. How is this not a violation of the First Amendment? And maybe I'm wrong. Alrighty, well, I'm going to break down some really esoteric legal issues for you real quick. <laughs> if you'd like. So, when we hear of the First Amendment, we think of the United States Constitution. And yeah. before law school, I just thought that the First Amendment and freedom of speech applied everywhere and that I could go anywhere and say whatever I wanted to and I'd be protected. But you're not talking about fi yelling fire in a burning building. Well, but that, right? that's, like, we all know that. Well, that's exactly the example I was going to get to. <laughs> it turns out that the Constitution only applies, um, just to really simplify this, like at the government level. So, for example, say that I worked for a private employer. We'll call it McDonald's. I made up company yeah. <laughs> like that was probably a poor example <laughs> and this this hypothetical that I'm going to give Alicia never definitely really doesn't happened. work at McDonald's yeah I don't work at McDonald's <laughs> um 
But my employer, who's a private employer and not a government-run organization, can have certain guidelines that I must abide by. So in my employee handbook, it could say, I cannot do commercials supporting my love for Burger King. Um, And so that technically is a violation of my First Amendment right because it's preventing me from speaking out about my love for Burger King. Whoppers are good. Yeah, Um, Yeah, I agree. So pretty good. I I think for the private schools on that list, there's arguably absolutely no First Amendment violation because the First Amendment doesn't apply the same way to those institutions as it would to public schools. Now, with public schools, you get into more of a deeper, like, legal debate. But honestly, I probably wouldn't want to be the student to challenge these policies because um, there's even more rules about the First Amendment that I don't think your listeners probably particularly care about. But I don't really think that there's an actual first amendment violation here long story short but if you were the first person to challenge it maybe that would spin off you become famous you can, might get a reality show <laughs> probably not i don't know too no. many legal reality shows <laughs> well it would just spawn from there what, what would like, it be called <laughs> well he didn't he didn't make uh you know he didn't make it in football but here's what he's doing now here's his reality show kardashians man everybody's has a first amendment show, right? fans or <laughs> yeah. but like there is a and a lot of this stuff, a lot of these, you know, this legal topics, there has been correlations between, okay, so maybe this doesn't fit in directly with the First Amendment, but it could be said that if you don't have the right or you don't have the ability to even have a Facebook page, mm-hmm. regardless of whether or not it's private or public, like that could be said is that that infringes on. Uh, like, what, what are they going to say? You can't have a phone number, too? You can't have uh, an, a mailing address? Think, you know, so, like, I mean, where is that line? And, and is, isn't this going to have to be addressed at some point? And it, it definitely has been addressed. There's, if you just go on Twitter, there's a bunch of companies that have actually popped up. And these companies' sole reason for existence is to teach student athletes, A, how to properly use Twitter, B, how to market themselves on Twitter. And then they also exist to promote student-athletes' rights to use Twitter. So there's a large contingency of groups and people who are really in support of student-athletes using social media. I think the reason why you probably won't see a kid challenging their coach's policy is most of these kids are on scholarship. And what's more important, that they maintain their scholarship, their right to be on the team and receive an education, or that they can post crazy pictures on Facebook and send um, unimportant tweets to all their followers. But like you just said there, it does help them market themselves. I mean, it does – one could argue that you know maybe it hurts his draft stock because he wasn't as popular or wasn't out there as much or – you know, if he had a good play in the game, he couldn't talk about what was going on or something. I don't know if that would hurt them at all. I mean, it shouldn't, but you can make the case for it. Like guys, you know, that are social media crazy right now, like Jeremy Lin, Tim Tebow, like people want to hear from them and want to hear what's going on with them. And same for college athletes that blow up all of a sudden. Yeah, but these guys like Jeremy Lin and Tim Tebow they have leverage, right? They have money. They have contracts and, and they're professionals and they're 
earning money in you know the private sector doing a job. I think we, Alicia, you just said was absolutely right. Is what are they going to do? Are they going to fight this battle? Yeah, mm-hmm. at, at, at the expense of losing the war, meaning mm-hmm. that I only have a few years to be here in college, so I will put up with the fact that I my my rights are being violated, and I'll go ahead and uh, just you know just write it out and uh, finish off my college career and then go on to make money. But that doesn't necessarily take away from the fact that yeah, perhaps these guys are. Um, these student athletes are being subject to like an unfair situation because any normal student could do it, but because they're on the basketball team or the football team, they can't have a Twitter account. Could you see kids avoiding schools because of policies like that? Well, that's one reason why I wanted to write this story is because, okay, so first off I contacted 30 schools for this story and there's two that actually aren't in the spreadsheet that responded and that's Kentucky and Duke and they both allow complete social media privileges to their student athletes. So of the 16 schools that responded, only a handful had any sort of limitation on their social media policy. I sent the link to this story to every single one of those schools, and my hope was the ones that saw that their school was a lot stricter than every other school would loosen up on their student athletes. Another interesting thing, I actually... There was another school that was on this list that asked me to take their information down, and they were one of the ones who restricted social media use. And so I have a feeling that's because they didn't want to be associated with that once they saw that they were in the minority and most big – these are all big schools. I reached out to big-time Division I schools. Um, and the I, biggest of the big schools. Yeah, I mean, like, oh. I have USC on there, Arizona, um, Duke, like I said, Kentucky, North Carolina. and Oklahoma State, South Carolina. Yeah, so you, These you, are, like, the biggest of schools. It, it, was, it was good because the article used big schools, but it wasn't just, like, one conference. It was, like, right. across the country. And that's why I thought this was a good example of a sample. Yeah. Right? Which, you know, but, but four of them are, like, saying this. It's like... And and so it's weird. I mean, we'll see how it goes. I think a lot of it might be just like some of the coaches are old mm-hmm. and they don't even know, really know what Twitter is. Whenever they hear about it, they hear about it being bad stuff. But yeah. but well, um, that's typically why it is bad is because you know they don't you know athletes don't know exactly what to say. Like we saw that kid that uh, CU just signed for their football team, Yuri Wright, uh, posting some inappropriate things on Twitter from high school and getting expelled from his school for it. Right. So, but that yeah. that brings up an interesting point. I expected a lot of the schools to say no, we don't allow Twitter for that reason. If you look at the list, not a single school gave me that answer. First off, not a single school banned social media use outright. If there's any sort of ban, it's one sport that banned it, and the ban was because the coach wanted them to focus on their academics and the sport. And I know Nate said, "Well, are they tweeting?" During the game, (laughs) I am the biggest social media addict on the face of earth. If you forced me to turn off my Twitter accounts and Facebook for a day, I could probably end world hunger. Like, it does take up a lot of your attention. So, I I mean, I can understand why a coach might want to do it. You know, these guys are looking at girls. They're doing God knows what on there. And is that kind of an excuse saying that, no, we want them to focus on the team versus – well, we actually really want to save them from themselves, maybe. 
Maybe. But I think a lot of schools, um, if you look at the list, a lot of schools told me that they bring in people at the beginning of the school year or the season to provide these kids training with how to use it. I loved the response from the University of Georgia. She told me that they tell their student athletes to not say anything that they wouldn't want to say on Sports Center was the example that they use. And I thought that was such a great message to send to these kids about the power of social media and yeah. if they use it the right way, it could be the greatest thing. I mean, I'm a testament to that. Everything that I've achieved through my website is through social media, but you don't see me posting like crazy things on there either. Right. I, I, I hear that, but it's weird. It's like to me, I, I hear about that and I say, you know what I'm seeing? University of Georgia athletic department doing is they're saying, I don't want you to say anything that embarrasses our school. Or embarrasses our athletic department, and so they're training them that way. And with the history and of what the NCAA has done with athletes, which to me is pretty blatant, they churn them in, bring them in, churn them, send them out. Um, they're they're not that interested in you know what they do outside of that. They just you know keep in mind this: the NCAA has like eight point nine billion dollars of money coming in every year, like nine billion dollars. I mean. You can compare that to the NFL with the amount of, you know, number of billions of dollars they're coming bringing in. And I just keep seeing that college athletes are continually exploited. And um, let's go into this next question I have because I, I think that is an, an example of a small reason, the social media thing. But then there's other, there's other implications, like there's other rules. So, uh, for instance, the NBA has a rule that no player may enter the draft until the age of 19, Okay. Now, I know this is the NBA, not the NCAA. And then the NFL has a rule that all players must have played three seasons of college football before they are eligible. And I understand why they have these policies, but there's something about that that seems distinctly un-American, right? As you have a grown adult, uh, you know, someone who uh, is uh, in all uh, arguments can seems uh, abundantly competent at their job, yet they're not allowed to work because they're 18. So what I want to ask you about that is, you know, I've worked at a lot of jobs and I've seen in the break room, the posters on the wall and they have equal opportunity and they have, you know, a fair uh, work environment or whatever it is. They can't discriminate against certain people. Does the NBA and the NFL have different posters on their wall? How can they discriminate? I mean, to me, it seems like discrimination. Can they, how can they discriminate against these, these guys, these kids? So what I think you're thinking of is in the legal world called an antitrust lawsuit. And basically, antitrust is a federal body of law that prevents what is called anti-competitive nature. And so what you're saying is these rules that have age limits are preventing these young people from competing to their full potential and competing for positions in the NFL and NBA. And a lot of people have questioned whether... These rules um, violate the antitrust law, and they have challenged them legally. They have, and I was going to ask that. Like, they have, and they've been upheld. Um, you know, you raise definitely some good points, though, and those points have all been hashed out in in the courts and in appellate briefs. And has they, the NBA uh, age limit been tested in the courts? Yeah, and I was trying to Google the case name for that because I can't think of it okay. off the top of my head, but it has been. Um, because that limit, I think that rule came down in, I want to say 2005 or around that time period. But the example that I will use, you know, you use that poster. Like we all know what that poster looks like. Like I have yeah, the vision of that poster burned in my head. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
equal there, opportunity or, yeah. or but, something. But there's some there's some rules for us too as employees. You know, an employer can't allow someone. I think it's sixteen or younger to work X number of hours per day. So I think what the courts have said is that because remember we talked about laws applying differently to government entities and private organizations. Well, because the NBA and NFL are huge organizations, certain federal laws do apply to them, but ultimately they're private employers. And so they can set the guidelines for how they hire Just like my employer set the criteria for what it wanted in an attorney. I had to have a law degree to compete for this position. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, technically it seems unfair, but the law has upheld it. And and, and I kind of wanted to bring it back a little bit because I have heard that. And and that's interesting. And I find that un-American that, you know, an 18-year-old guy can't do a job that he's qualified to do based on a very public policy by – an organization that makes billions of dollars a year. But I was also thinking about the other side is, okay, so say you're uh, in you're a high school athlete. You grew up wherever. It doesn't matter. Maybe you're, you grew up in poverty. Maybe you didn't. But you are good at something, and you can't play in the NFL, right, until you've had three years of college under your belt. Okay, that's the rules. So you go to college. But then you still have this family, but you can't even have a job. Because there's rules against that based on the NCAA, right? So not only is the NFL not allowing you to work for them, even though you're perfectly qualified, they force you to go to a college to spend three years, but then that college doesn't allow you to work because of NCAA policies. And it's like, what happens to this guy? And and, and the reason why I bring this up is not because you know I, I have this big bone to pick with it, but you hear about guys like Reggie Bush who years later have had their Heisman Trophy stripped from them. And you have uh, the national championships that their school has got ripped from them. And the school just distanced themselves themselves from Reggie Bush, and they blame it all on him, who at the time was just a kid trying to you know, pay his bills and get – Yeah, trying you know, to live in a penthouse. And- or just – or you know what? Just get his mom a house. You know what I mean? Like keep in mind some of these kids that they yeah. take out of the ghetto and out of uh, impoverished situations, like, you know, like – they're sitting there. They're fully capable of making millions of dollars a year, but they're uh, like, uh, you know, they're not allowed to do it. They're they're literally told you cannot do what you're good at um, for these these reasons. And the only reasons they have are corporate uh, policies or organizational policies that amount to me is just greed. And then they turn around and blame him for it years yeah, US, later. USC made how many millions of dollars off of guys Absolutely. like Reggie Bush? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you can't cut him any kind of piece of the pie? Nothing. And yeah. and so I guess the point is this is should colleges be able to pay players for one and two should it be legal for the NFL to say you can't play here. You can't play here because you're too young or you don't have 3 years of college under your belt. And I, I don't know. From I mean, one side of it, I think with the NFL is, I mean, is an 18-year-old kid's body able to go out there and get hit by guys like Ray Lewis? You know, I think there's some safety concerns with the NFL. Uh, I remember, was it Mer- Maurice Claret and that wide receiver from USC? I can't remember his name. Uh, they challenged that rule, and it was, you know, they were in college for two years. But I don't know. You don't really see a lot of guys that can jump from high school to the NFL. They just, there's a different. But with the NBA, you see it all the time. You see, you know, LeBron James. Uh, Carmelo Anthony could have done it. You know, J.R. Smith, guys like Jonathan Bender, Jermaine O'Neal, 
uh, Tracy McGrady. But true, but Maurice Claret's a perfect example. He didn't go. He couldn't really necessarily jump from high school to the NFL. But you know what else he couldn't do? He couldn't go get a job at a car dealership or a McDonald's while he was in college. And so what did he do? You know, he resorted to crime and all, all this. And he ends up being the bad guy. And to me, it's like they don't have any opportunity set up for this guy in the meantime. Sounds yeah. like you're making excuses. I mean, I wasn't a professional athlete. I don't come from a really, really well-financed family. And I didn't work during college either because I couldn't because I was focused on academics. And I didn't commit crimes. You know, I have a job that's pretty middle-class wage right now. And, it, you know, th there's always an excuse and an example for everything. And I, I, I can tell you one thing right now. Student athletes will never be paid. You can see the uproar that's been caused by President Emmert's suggestion that we give them a $2,000 stipend extra, um, which came about in October of 2011. And most Division One institutions don't even want to do that. And for the NCAA to maintain its legal status, they can't pay them. And well, so it'll, it'll be a cold day and you know where before that happens. <laughs> well, it have to be it have to be an agreed upon amount. It couldn't be a large amount because then you know some of your uh, like CSU maybe couldn't afford to pay guys or something like. You know, it would have to be a uniform amount as well because you know you don't want a guy saying, "Well, I'm going to go to USC because they can pay me more than CSU." But you also then you have to pay what sports? You know, they, exactly. you, you pay every sport. You paying guys are playing water polo. You know, and you would have know. to because there's a law. It's a federal law. It's called Title IX, and it was basically enacted to provide women equal opportunity in collegiate sports. And so many have argued that the existence of that law would require you to pay men and women. Yeah, I'll plead my ignorance on this. Is it every sport in college that you play where you can't make any money? Like if you're a swimmer, you can't do anything? Like you can't for any, any I sport. think if it's Division One NCAA, you can't – I mean you can't even have a part-time job, right? Unless yeah. it's like affiliated with the scholarship or grants that you have. Right? There's certain rules. I mean if you remember this year, I believe it was Ohio State. Like a group of these kids went and they worked for a car dealership. And Ohio State got, like, slapped on the wrist by the NCAA because it turned out that the car dealership was paying them too much money. So they can't Which is work, what always but, happens, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean these were that, – that one was kind of silly. <laughs> uh, you know, these kids are just doing some work. It was pretty funny. I had a, I had a friend that went to a, a very small school in Iowa and played football there, and he was he was given, you know, show up at this place and you have to work for this amount of hours. And he would show up and the guy would give him – an envelope with cash and he would leave. And I'm like, and you're at a, a tiny drop in the water school in Iowa and you, this is happening there. Like I can only imagine what happens to bigger schools. Yeah. And, and that is the issue, right? But if they did pay him, if they said, listen, we're going to pay these football players because, you know, just based it on the number of jerseys they sell. See, that know? one's always bothered me. Like, I, I think they should get money for their I think jersey they sales. Something. I mean, they're selling on this person's name. Exactly. And then, and you know, it really was like the thing that got to me was when Reggie Bush got all this scrutiny. And the school was losing. I mean, Reggie Bush, whatever happened around that, he deserved all the accolades he got in college football. Whatever he did on the side, it wasn't like... It wasn't like he was. It's not uh, like he paid people off to win the Heisman Trophy. Yeah. Exactly, and he wasn't. He won you know, on the field, and he wasn't uh, caught for doing steroids or whatever. Maybe he did, but. Here's, <laughs> here's my thing, though. Like I am the 
biggest proponent of student athletes. Um, I'll, I'll go to the mat for their rights, but last night I was flying home from Atlanta and I was watching a college basketball game. I won't say which two teams, but I was watching it. Two two very good teams. Um, and I was thinking, these kids are not professionals. Like they just are not pay- playing at a professional level. There's clearly a distinction between their talents and the Nuggets or another NBA team. So, like, granted, they probably deserve some money for their efforts, but that's the scholarship that they've been given. I have $148,000 worth of student loans. These kids, most Yikes. of them, yeah. <laughs> so my potential clients call me. Um, <laughs> you know, these kids are walking out of college scoff-free. I can think of hundreds of thousands of American kids who would love that opportunity. So they are being compensated with something. And I, I, I was just watching that game last night, and it came to me. I'm like, these kids aren't professionals. So are we going to pay them as professionals? If we pay them, how much is enough? And it's yeah. you open up the floodgate and all the water comes rushing through. So I kind of look at the at the NBA situation before they had the age limit put in and you're all of a sudden, you know, the sport turned into the draft turned into a you have to start drafting guys based off potential because you don't want to miss on, you know, the next LeBron James. So you're having to draft these guys that are clearly not ready to play in the NBA. They don't have like Kobe. Know, yeah, how about Jonathan, how about Jonathan Bender? You know? Well, sure, but I mean, if, if they're 18 years old, I mean, you can have a rule saying you have to be 18 to play in the NBA. Yeah, but the and thing then that, you risk that with the NBA, like yeah. as a as a team, you make that decision. As a team, you do, but it became such a such a problem that all these teams were the draft became a potential draft, and all of a sudden you're seeing a lot more misses and a lot more top 10 picks that you're going, this guy never panned out. He never panned out where it used to be. If you draft a guy in the top 10, you're pretty sure you're getting a good player because, you know, like a, a Michael Jordan had three years at North Carolina and, you know, and honestly in the NBA and with basketball, it's not as big of a deal because they only have to be 19 and uh, they could go play for a year in, in Europe. They, they don't have to go to college. Yeah. But with the NFL, it is seems somewhat like collusion between the NCAA and the NFL because, you're required to play three years, and you can't of college go to Europe football. and play football. And you, yeah, exactly. You can't go and play for a year. Do, do you know what I think might change that rule? And I don't know if this has happened. So tell me if it has. Three years is a long time in a football career, and you know, National Signing Day was a couple weeks ago. There were some great prospects that are definitely NFL worthy in three years. What happens if one of those kids gets hurt, and it's a career-ending injury? when he's playing in the NCAA and it prevents him from playing in the NFL. I, I think of I'm sure that, that happens all the time, right? I'm sure it does, but I haven't heard of like a big name kid who's, you know, a five star recruit, your top your what was the kid's name that signed with Missouri, uh, Dorian Green Beckham. You know, if he gets hurt his freshman year, everyone knows that that kid is gonna be a first round draft pick when he comes out. If he gets hurt his freshman year and it ends his career that might change the legal landscape. He might actually have a legitimate antitrust lawsuit because his earning potential has been completely thwarted. So he should go and play for some. He's a football player. Like, yeah, he should go and play for the worst Division One team in like the worst conference, <laughs> so he doesn't have the monster defensive ends. We also saw that Darrell Scott, who signed with CU a few years ago, that washed out of the program in two years. And it's like, should an NFL team have been able to draft him based off his great potential 
spend like the Raiders spent on Jamarcus Russell, like $40 million and commit that to a guy that's going to wash out in two years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's always the, the, the risk over the reward. Right. But yeah, yeah, that is interesting. Is he going to be able to, I believe didn't LeBron James's mother take out insurance on him his senior year of high school or something like that. Be he, Did she? Yeah. And they can do that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how well, exactly that, that, that would be great. Works. I mean, they should be allowed to. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how much insurance you could buy and what that premium would be. I know yeah. my, my insurance premium, my mom has insurance on me and it's like 15 bucks a year. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, with a guy like LeBron, I mean, who's what backdoor sleazy, you know, booster is giving his mom money to take out an insurance policy that's going to cover yeah. something like his $95 million contract he got with Nike before he even played, right? Exactly. Yeah. Ninety-five million. Oh my goodness! I think he got ten million from Bubblicious Bubblegum. <laughs> That's some, I didn't even know they had ten million dollars. Yeah. yeah, that comes the worst. It's ridiculous. That's delicious for like ten seconds. It's really delicious. <laughs> Bubblicious, if you're listening, I think your gum is fantastic. She's like, call me. I'll represent you. I haven't seen it. I think they might have gotten into trouble with that. I haven't seen a Bubblicious commercial. I think since LeBron James signed with them. <laughs> they're like they're what out happened? of business. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. All right, man. Well, this is good. Fun episode. Alicia Jessup, find her. Twitter, Ruling Sports, at Ruling Sports. Yes. And, of course, uh, rulingsports.com and businessofcollegesports.com. Not joking. Fantastic stuff. Honestly. Thank you. Yeah, we have law stories. We have stories on former Olympians. I was reading an interesting article about uh, where the Minnesota Vikings stadium might show up next. Yeah. And that's one of those crazy things that – uh, you don't pay it like as a fan. You don't realize that side of the of the sport that anything and, even could go into that. Yeah, and it's very interesting. So I would recommend that you just put that up a few days ago, right? Yeah, uh, that story is probably a couple weeks old, but is I it called it. So they picked the site, and long story short, in my story I say that they're probably going to select the Metrodome site, and I explain why I thought that, and I was right. So. That's good. I'm right about Tebow. I'm right about the Metro Dome. <laughs> I'm right about uh, what were we talking about earlier? Oh, Will Barton from Memphis. Oh Will yeah, Barton. Will Barton, the six foot six inch shooting guard, <laughs> same size as Michael Jordan. Fantastic. So, Alicia, uh, you may not know, but every episode we dedicate the episode to something, and this is episode number twenty nine. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't really mean anything what episode it is. But Nate, what do you think? Who should we dedicate this to? Before we don't get say out, Will Barton. Before we do that, oh, you got something. We have to discuss our uh, our little giveaway that we're going to do for the next Mozgov Militia T-shirt. Oh, that's still going on. That's still going on. <laughs> I yes. thought those already were gone. All yeah, shirts. me too. <laughs> well, I have three to give away from this site. Oh, and we've given away one. We have two left. Oh, fantastic! So how should we do that? Well, remember last week we were talking about how we wanted to do it. I still remember. We want our fans, our listeners out there. We want you to upload a picture to Facebook. We want you to find the Colorado Sports Guys on Facebook, tag us in that photo, get it onto our page. And this can be, you know, we want you to show your, your Nuggets fandom, your Timothy Mozgov fandom, whatever you can do. Get I that remember photo. this now. I remember this now. Yeah. You want to upload that to Facebook. You want to tag Colorado Sports Guys in that. I believe you have to like our page in order to tag us in there. It'll show up on our page. And whoever can get the most likes on their photo this time next Tuesday, we'll win that Mozgov Militia T-shirt. So you have a week to upload a photo, get as many likes as you can, and whoever the winner is, by the time we go on air next Tuesday, will be the proud owner of a limited edition Timothy Mozgov Mozgov Militia limited. T-shirt. 
And we'll go ahead and say so. Uh, let's say 9 p.m. Mountain Time next Tuesday. Okay. It's, that uh, it's uh, that'll be the 28th, right? Sure. Today's the 21st. I don't know. Plus seven. Yeah, twenty-first <laughs> plus seven. <laughs> so yeah, good. Yeah, that is good. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Upload a photo to Facebook. Tag Upload a photo. Guys. Like us on Facebook. Tag us on there on your page, and then uh, get your friends to like your photo. Get strangers it's to easy. like it. Yeah. Everybody strangers. has a Facebook page. It's pretty easy. It's pretty straightforward. Even we don't have any time. social media restrictions here, so you'll be good to go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Yet. That's a good point. Yeah. We are not restricted. Our free speech. Yeah. Shirts are pretty sweet. You definitely yeah. want one. They are. We explained it last week, but we'll do it again. It's the hammer and sickle of the Russian flag, but the hammer is replaced by the uh, Nuggets pick. Right? Yes. Pickaxe? Yes, sir. And it says Mozgov Militia, and it has uh, the logo of the Nuggets Mountain there in the middle. An iteration of. Not the exact logo. No. For copyright reasons. Of course. And uh, the star <laughs> in the middle, the Russian star. Is that is a Russian star? Is that something? Correct, yes. Yeah. Based off of uh, Mozgov's Russian heritage, born in the USSR. Yes. So. That's right. He was. Barely, huh? He was, How old yeah. is he? He's got to be, what, 23? He's 25. Hmm. Oh, wow. He really was born in the USSR. Yeah. It's fantastic. Not as young as you may think. <laughs> Not as All right. So <laughs> CSG number 29. CSG 29. I have no clue how to dedicate this one oh, to. Oh, I do. You got one, Alicia? Yeah. All right. Let's hear it. Our Nana. Or no. <laughs> Grandma. <laughs> we could. Wait, are you guys related? Yeah, we're basically like cousins. Yeah, our our dads are like brothers. <laughs> um, all right, Nana. So now she has to listen. I'll have to figure out a way. <laughs> Nana, you're, you're, this podcast. Your Nana's going to listen to this? I hope so. Did I curse on this one? No. No. Oh, There's God. never any cursing on here. Are you crazy? Oh, this family friendly show. I need to make it. I need to. Uh, before we get out of here, I need to make an apology. Last week, we had Jeff and Andrew on, and uh, the beginning of the show, we were talking about having three stiffs in the (laughs) studio. Correct. And I made the worst joke possible. And uh, I just want to apologize to you, Nate, and to Jeff and Andrew, and I'm gesturing like they're still here, but they're not. (laughs) I want to apologize. It was a very horrible joke. It wasn't offensive, but it was just corny, cheesy. Low brow. Is that what it's oh, it was horrible. Was it I, I couldn't even believe I did it. So I apologize for that. If you know, want to know what that joke was and you haven't listened to last <laughs> week, you'll have to listen to last week. Should I accept your apology on Jeff and Andrew well, and of course. behalf? Of course you can. You can do that. I could, but I won't. Okay. Don't worry about that. You're not forgiven. All I'm right. So, so <laughs> that wraps it up. CSG number 29. Alicia, thank you very much for joining us. This one's going out to Nana. Yes. Everybody, <laughs> we love you so much. Nate, when are we going to see everybody? You know, Chauncey Billups is noted as being, <laughs> is noted as being the king of Park Hill. But I would have to say that Nana is the queen of Park Hill. (laughs) Been there for a lot longer than Chauncey Billups. Still holding it down in Park Hill. Nana, everybody else out there, we will see you guys next week.